When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about why you might try to spend time individually with each member of your family, and we'll discuss an intriguing hack about using an ice cube to change your thoughts. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I am so excited that The Fix is about to hit the airwaves. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretch, um, March is a big month for yes, you and me. It is. My show's coming out March 18th, 10 p.m. on ABC. And you had a book come out yesterday, Outer Order, Inner Calm, Hit the Shelves. Yes, Elizabeth, it's so exciting to have this book out in the world at last. It always feels very kind of surreal when a book mm. actually escapes into the real world. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to hit the road. Um, my book tour starts now, and I would love to see listeners and readers along the way. So um, go to GretchenRubin.com slash events if you want information about where I'm going and how to buy tickets and all that. Plus, Elizabeth, we have some live podcast events coming up. Yes, we are taking yes. it on the road. Um, we are touring. Uh, we will go to New York City, Detroit, Milwaukee, and Minneapolis. Tickets for the New York City event, which happens on April 17th, are on sale now. Uh, tickets for the other events will go on sale on March 20th. So if you live in those cities, mark your calendar. We will talk more about it in a future episode. Just visit GretchenRubin.com slash events for details related to all public events. Yeah, and Gretchen, I have to say you're inspiring clutter clearing across the nation with this <laughs> book because uh, anyone who says anything about it, who's read it, 
says, oh, I wanted to go clear clutter immediately. So Well, and if people do that, please post your before and after photos. I yes. love before and afters. I'm, I just cannot get enough before and afters. So use the hashtag outer order inner calm um, because we would love to see your before and afters. And Gretch, as your sister, I just have to uh, make an appeal to our audience to do book reviews for Outer Order Intercom because it really matters if people go online, wherever their favorite online place to review books and um, write a review because it really gets people to buy the book. And of course, that's what we want. Yes. And I, I hope everybody actually <laughs> sincerely enjoys the book. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. If you hate the book, don't don't write a review. But you're not going to hate it. You're going to love it. You can if you want. Yes. Um, <laughs> Alyssa, this week our Try This at Home tip is to try to spend time individually mm. with every member of your family, if you can. Yeah, Gretch, I love this because spending time as a family is wonderful, but there is something special about one-on-one -on -one time. And I think date night is a recognition that you need this one-on-one -on -one time with your husband or wife or whoever you're romantically involved with. Um, but it's great with other members of the family, too. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because we saw this idea show up in many, many 19 for 2019 lists. Mm. Many people said, like, spend individual time with both of my sons or, you know, it is something that many people want to do. And I mean, Elizabeth, you and I, we think it really is worth doing. We do it ourselves. I mean, we go out of our way. Like, when we're at home in Kansas City, well, if we're there together, we do it together with dad. But we're often there by ourselves or with our families. And with our father, we will go for long walks. He loves to go for really super long walks. Mm. It's just something that we do first thing in the morning. It's really nice to have that time just with him because like when we go do errands, we tend to do them with our mother. And so that's yeah. sort of like one-on-one -on -one time with our mother. This is a way to make sure that we, we have family time when we're all together, but then we also have time individually with our mother and time individually with our father. And it's just, it's just really valuable to have that connection. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, Gretchen, growing up, sometimes if we had a day off school for whatever reason, we would meet dad for like a fancy lunch. Yeah, That was another way. We had one-on-one -on -one time. We would go to hibachi. At least that's what I would do with him. Yeah. And that always felt so special. Yeah, it's really nice. One of the things I started doing was to have a weekly adventure. I had it with Eliza when she was in kind of middle school and high school. And then I've started doing it with Eleanor. Fortunately, they're, they're very far apart. So I only had one adventure a week um, at a time. It's to make sure that I really do have a solid couple of hours. This mm. one child is my sole focus. And it's not that we do anything very elaborate. You know, we're just kind of wandering around and like maybe getting hot chocolate. But it is really nice to just know that once a week you will really check in and also, as a parent, be available to listen if there's mm. something that kind of needs to come out. Well, and it's funny, Gretch, because, of course, I only have one child, so yeah. it's much easier yes. for me to get one-on-one -on -one time with Jack. Even so, though, Adam loves having alone time with Jack, which is nice for me because it makes it easy for me to go on, like, a girl's weekend or a mom's trip because Adam is always thrilled when I go out of town and leave him alone with Jack. Yeah. He loves it. And, in fact, sometimes when I am gone, he'll actually take Jack on a little mini vacation. No, it's nice for everybody. It's nice for you. It's nice for Adam. It's nice for Jack. It's nice to have that time. I feel like in a family, you know, each person adds something and each person demands something. And there's mm. just kind of a special piece when it's just two. It's just, it's, mm. it's, there's less kind of energy to it, but it's also um, kind of, it is kind of more peaceful, I feel like. 
And of course, Scott, I have to mention you and I go out of our way to spend one-on-one time (laughs) together. We call them our sisterly adventures, and it's often connected to this very podcast. Those are some of my favorite times. Yeah, we love to spend time together with families, but it is nice when it's just the two of us. Um, I was really struck by something that a friend of mine wrote in a book. So my friend Abby Pogerman is a twin, an identical twin. Um, Her Mm -hmm. twin is Robin Pogerman. And Abby wrote a book called One and the Same, My Life as an Identical Twin and What I've Learned About Everyone's Struggle to be Singular. And it's a book that's part memoir, part research, and I just think it is a fascinating look at human nature. I've read this book a couple times. And there's one part that really struck me, because Abby is saying that whenever she or Robin are asked, like, do you have any advice for the parents of twins? What they always say is spend separate time with each twin. Mm. And she says that's one of the big regrets of her own parents is that they Mm. didn't spend time alone with Abby and Robin. And in the book, she writes, my mother said they realized their mistake in one powerful instant when I was 18, and they invited me to go with them for a weekend at a bed and breakfast. You said you were uncomfortable coming along because you'd never been alone with us. We couldn't believe it. How could this have happened? We never noticed that we had never been with one child. So there's an example of how, Mm, you know, if you don't make the time, you might not even notice it. I'll post a link to the book, too. It's such a good book. Yeah, and Gretchen, like you said, this doesn't have to be a big deal. No. Um, Like, Jack and I have certain TV shows we watch together. So Adam may even be in the house, but it's still us spending one-on-one time together. Like, we watched The Masked Singer together. (laughs) And that was our special time. And we would be excited that it was coming, and we would talk about it, and then we would would, you know, it was just really fun. So it can be something as simple as that, or he loves it when I read to him. So that's also special one-on-one time you can have. Right, right. It doesn't have to be a whole big production. Well, let us know if you do try this at home and how spending time individually with each member of your family works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at com, or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. It's at happiercast.com slash 211 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack that involves plunging your face into ice cold water. But first, <laughs> this break. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. 
LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So now it's time for a happiness hack. And there was recently a very interesting piece in the New York Times by Jennifer Tates called Regrets Can Become Powerful Sources of Inspiration. And there were a lot of ideas there about how to get positive outcomes from feeling regret. Yeah, and Gretch, we talk about this a lot in the podcast, and you write about it all the time. The idea that negative emotions are actually very helpful because they help us find ways to be happier. Yes, and but negative emotions can be helpful, but then you have to manage those negative emotions, mm. and you have to like not let yourself, you know, go into a spiral mm. of negativity or be drained or overwhelmed by them. So you have to think about, okay, how do I get the benefit of this negative emotion, but um, you know, without being carried away by it? And this article had several good ideas, but it included one hack that I had never heard of before, and I cannot <laughs> wait to try it because one happiness stumbling block is when you feel full of regret about something and you can't stop thinking about it. You know, you go into this regret spiral for hours, like you're trying to sleep and all you can do is think about, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I did. Gretch, this happened to me last night. Oh, what happened? I think I left my very special um, (gasps) watch at the hotel where you and I were staying. And um, I've left them messages. Haven't heard back yet, but I mean, it just kept me awake most of the night. Just feeling like, how could I have been so stupid as to walk out of the hotel room without looking one more time? Oh, I left my um, favorite fingertipless gloves behind. We had bad luck with our... Oh, you did. (laughs) Uh, Well, the... Anyway, so this is what I should have done at 4 a.m. last night. She says, if you feel the grip of strong emotions, dip your face in ice water. Really? People become believers in this strategy once they get past the idea of plunging forward into a bowl (laughs) of ice water, said Dr. Catherine Korsland, an expert in dialectical behavior therapy, a treatment that teaches people how to manage emotions. She said that dipping your face in ice water works because it increases activity in the parasympathetic nervous system, lowering your body temperature and heart rate, preventing emotions from intensifying. If that seems too jarring, pop an ice cube in your mouth and focus on the sensations. You'll find that it's difficult to simultaneously replay your life's mistakes (laughs) while fully participating in something else. 
I mean, I love it's so practical. It's I so know. concrete. It is you know? so practical. Yeah. Now we have to point out, you know, sometimes we talk about put a band-aid on it. Sometimes you need a band-aid, right. sometimes you need stitches. If you're feeling massive regret, like you need to address that. But if you're like, I need to snap myself out of this so that yeah. I can kind of have self-mastery. This is just sort of a funny, kind of manageable way to give yourself a little jolt to the system. Yeah, it's definitely something I'll try because I, I just feel like it's easy to do. Yeah. Like this I can accomplish, especially the ice cube in the mouth. Yeah. That's very easy. You could do that anywhere. In the article, they're saying, well, this has this certain effect on the body. But then it's also just maybe it's the distraction and the change. Like you're just kind of mm. jarring yourself and distracting yourself with something that you need to do. And then this kind of change in your system. And it reminds me of this wonderful passage in Joan Didion's collection of essays, Slouching Towards Bethlehem, which is an amazing collection. And in the extraordinary essay called On Self-Respect, she writes, Self-respect is a discipline, a habit of mind that can never be faked, but can be developed, trained, coaxed forth. It was once suggested to me that as an antidote to crying, I put my head in a paper bag. As it happens, there is a sound physiological reason, something to do with oxygen, for doing exactly that. But the psychological effect alone is incalculable. It is difficult in the extreme to continue fancying oneself Kathy in Wuthering Heights with one's head in a food fair bag. <laughs> <laughs> do something, maybe it'll affect your body, but it'll certainly affect your, like, your outlook because you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so preposterous. It just shakes you up. <laughs> yeah. So I will post a link um, both to the book, Slouching Towards Bethlehem, and also to the article from New York Times. Lots of great ideas there. Yes. And now we're going to do a four tendencies tip. And we are going to focus on obligers. Um, as we often discuss, Elizabeth, that obligers need outer accountability for inner expectations. That's a very, very important insight for obligers to have into themselves or for people around obligers to realize. Um, and we got this interesting note from Christine about how this played out in her life with an obliger who um, it took him a while to get the outer accountability that he needed. Yes. And it starts, Gretchen, with quite a statement. She says, Thanks to both of you and your podcast, my husband has his health. So uh, I'm like, ooh, that's read intriguing. On. Yes. Yes. She says, Robert and I have been married for 25 years. I am a pediatrician and he is a cardiac electrophysiologist. We are both classic overachievers in type A. I am a questioner and he is an obliger. No doubt about it, 100% for each of us. Now for the regaining his health part. Robert had a perforated appendix when he was 17 years old. He was quite sick at that time and spent several weeks in the hospital. Unfortunately, as time passed, he developed a symptomatic belly full of scar tissue. This became problematic, causing intestinal obstructions with increasing frequency and severity over the years. A typical obstruction would occur after a, quote, nice meal, and Robert would become bloated, nauseated, then repeatedly vomit with severe pain. Many nights I would tend to his woes at home, even placing an IV for fluids and medications in our bedroom, all so he could go to work the next day to take care of his patients. He refused to seek medical care for himself, citing he was too busy. He had office patients surgeries to perform. He couldn't even miss our girls' sporting events. He wouldn't take the time off to take care of himself. I would present data on intestinal obstructions, find diets and medications, research the best doctors, medical and surgical approaches, make appointments, all data-driven and efficiency-driven <laughs> tasks. Questioner. He would not embrace any of my efforts. He took care of others. And then the situation got worse over time. 
She says, at some point, I realized that my questioner approach was not going to get him to change and have, quote, the big surgery that he needed. And thus my quest became, how do I get an obliger to take care of his own medical needs? I tried the outer accountability approach of doing it for his work, his patients, but he would not get the surgery. He would suffer through the days. He would not eat all day so that he wouldn't be symptomatic at work and push through his own hunger and weakness and hypoglycemia and then come home and have eggs, rice, applesauce, and yogurt. She explains how their spring break wasn't fun because of his medical issues, and then their 25th wedding anniversary trip didn't work out. They weren't able to go on a big trip as they talked about because he wasn't comfortable traveling, so they went to Toronto, which was close to home. She continues, the first night he was nauseated before our romantic dinner and then obstructed, vomiting in the swanky hotel room. Again, he would not seek medical care and watching him puke was not what we had envisioned for our anniversary. He slowly recovered and we came home after our five-day trip. Our family heard about the trip. Then he wanted to be the role model to our family and finally wanted to get better. His own expectation of being a good parent, spouse, and son, and a good future self, of being accountable to those he loves and his future is what motivated him. He did the seven-hour surgery this past October and took the requisite six-week medical leave. He is better, happier, healthier, a better son, spouse, and parent. He can go out to eat. He eats real food. We can travel. He looks and feels great. That's the story, an obliger and a questioner. <laughs> Thank you both. I got my husband back. I mean, so this is a fascinating story. And thanks so much for Christine for kind of laying it out because I think yeah. it's so illustrative of so many points. As she points out, giving data, that's what a questioner feels like is going to be so compelling, but mm -hmm. it's not necessarily compelling to other tendencies. Also, spouses don't make accountability partners. She was trying to like get him to do accountability and here's the other thing, and this is what I think is the most fascinating thing. He's a doctor. He's giving all to his patients. But he was yeah. able to manage it so that the patients weren't directly affected by not eating and then eating in a yeah. way. So it affected his personal life, but it didn't affect his patients. And so you might think, well, the patients would have been accountability, but he was able to manage his condition, so that never kicked in. But then when it came to a head and there was sort of this incident where the whole family, not just his wife, but his whole family was really seeing the repercussions of this yeah. lack of forward movement and this situation that had developed. That was kind of what shocked him was that there was like, oh my gosh, look at this. Everybody's seeing this. I'm not being the person that I want to be for all these people in my life. Now I feel that accountability. Yeah. And you can see that he could look forward and go, oh my gosh, like at one of my kids' weddings, am yes. I going to be puking in yes, the bathroom exactly. instead of walking down the aisle? Like, are we going to have all these events in life that are seminal, but are ruined by me, you know, being sick? So you get that suddenly he just kind of felt like, oh, now I see that I'm not really doing anyone a favor right. by not taking care of this and not taking time off. Well, and exactly. And I think the fact like traveling, like we'd always talked about taking like yeah. a big adventurous trip, but now we had to really keep it manageable because he wasn't sure if he could deal with what might happen. Well, then it's like, okay, what if we want to fly across the country and go to someone's college graduation and yes. I don't feel comfortable getting on the plane? You can see exactly how lots of people 
could have expectations that would not be met, even if on the day-to-day level you're managing it for your patients. And so this is just a great example of how you really need to get to that place where the outer expectations are being unmet, because that is what kicks the obliger into feeling like, okay, now I need to act. Yeah. And it's great that she realized like, oh, okay, this would work for me, but it's not going to work for him. Right. So uh, thank you, Christine, for that. That is a great story. And Gretch, we have a listener question now that is also obliger related. And of course, I'm loving this because I'm an obliger. (laughs) It's like this episode is for me. Yes. Remember, another way to reach us is to leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 which is also 77HAPPY336, or drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Gretch, this week's listener prefers to remain anonymous. They ask, my question is this, do obligers struggle more than others with feeling the need to preserve family heirlooms and other items of sentimental value? My mother-in-law, who is a lovely person, is the most obliging obliger I've ever met. (laughs) She's in her mid-70s and lives alone in a large house filled with antiques. In fact, the vast majority of items in her home were not ever purchased by her, but were acquired from her various family members. The problem is that her current living situation is not going to be sustainable forever, and anywhere she would go next will require some downsizing of her household items. She has expressed interest in moving, but the task of sorting through her house is proving to be very difficult. I've come to theorize that the problem is she feels a genuine obligation to the previous owners of her possessions, and so she is unable to part with anything because it would be disrespectful to the deceased. For example, once when I suggested that maybe it would be okay to donate the large ashtray because nobody smokes, her immediate response was that her dad had made it. Once my husband asked, Mom, do you even like this table? And her answer was, it was my aunt's. Her sons are in their 40s, have their own homes and furniture, and just aren't interested in having houses full of carved oak armoires and silver that needs constant polishing. So we are at a family impasse. All right. This is, I think, so common. Yes. You know, a lot of people have very, very emotional attachments to objects. And um, I don't think you want to disregard that or pretend like it's not real or it's not meaningful. One thing you can do is take a picture of something because that's a way to memorialize it and also to show respect Mm -hmm. for it. If you have many things, she said, well, this was my aunt's. Well, maybe she has many things that can kind of stand for her aunt. Mm. Can she choose like a framed photograph of her aunt on her graduation day and then like of her other possessions? Because it's like, oh, well, they'll go and serve other people well if I give them away. And I have the thing that I need to remember my aunt by. I don't need to keep these other things as uh, kind of uh, souvenirs of a her or our relationship. And then also sometimes if you're helping somebody to clear out, what I've noticed is that Sometimes people want you to kind of bear witness to their appreciation Mm. for something. They need to just kind of Mm. hold something or touch something and talk to you about why it's meaningful. And you need to be like, wow, your father made that? That is amazing. That looks really great. He must have been a really good woodworker. And they're like, and the person can say, he really was. I mean, he made amazing Mm. things. And then it's like, okay, let's take a picture of it. We've acknowledged it. Now maybe you can ease it on. Sometimes we can help people by show the respect for the possession and the meaningfulness of the possession that allows people in a way then to um, loosen their grip. Yeah, and then Gretchen, for obligers especially, one thing that's helpful is to remember if I say yes to one person, I'm saying no to someone else. Yes. Um, which is kind of about transferring the burden or yes. not wanting to. Yes. Um, there's a lot of talk right now about Swedish death cleaning. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Uh, um, which really encompasses this sort of thing. Um, yeah. So Mar- Margareta Magnuson wrote a book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, How to Free Yourself and Your Family from a Lifetime of Clutter. And exactly, that's what she's talking about. It's like someone is going to have the burden. It's you or your kids. And she says, think about the burden on your family and writes, you remove unnecessary things and make your room nice and orderly when you think the time is coming closer for you to leave the planet. But she also makes a point, you can do this at any age. Mm-hmm. It's going to make life easier for you while you're still with all your stuff because it's just cleaned out. But then also it saves the time and the energy of your loved ones because at some point, this mother-in-law is going to leave this house. That is just right. somehow, some way, we don't know exactly how, it's going to happen and someone is going to be dealing with that stuff. Yes, it's like, at what point is Jack going to throw away my sixth grade yearbook? Uh, (laughs) Should I do it now or should I make him do it 50 years from now? Yes, yes, the problem of the yearbook, problem of the yearbook. Gretchen, we have to say it's always easier to get rid of things if you identify a recipient. You talk a lot about that. Yeah. And it's true. Like I will use my an example for my own life. Adam and I recently got a bunch of new furniture, which meant we had all this extra furniture. And it's like, well, what do we do? Like, you know, this is a lot of stuff. We don't know what to do. And then we happen to have a friend move in up the street into a new house and they had a completely empty room. Wow. So he just said to them, would you like all of this furniture (laughs) for your empty room? And I said, you can, this is not, I'm not burdening you with this furniture. If you want to get rid of it in three months because you decide to get, you know, new furniture that's more to your taste, you can go right ahead. You don't now have to have this for the next century. Yeah. Um, So we both identified a recipient, gave them the furniture, and then I just gave them the freedom in the future to get rid of it however they wanted to get rid of it. And everybody won. And I have to say, it looks great in their house. Maybe they'll end up keeping it for 20 years. Yeah. Well, it's very satisfying if there's a personal recipient like that, but even, I think, finding, like, the right organization to give it to. Like, right. And sometimes you have to do a little bit of research. Like, does this organization take books? Some kind of thrift stores yeah. do take books, some don't, so you have to know. Um, but it, And it is true. Like, Elizabeth, you were very clear with your friends about, like, what you were what burden you were placing on them, which was no burden. But sometimes people do foist things off on you or people feel like they're the family historians and they need to hang on to things as sort of an institutional memory. But mementos are only important if they actually hold memories and like a Mm. bunch of photographs of family members where you have no idea who they are Mm. or some, you know, set of dishes that you never use and don't mean anything to you. The fact that someone's given to you them to you doesn't really mean that now, like, you have to be the custodian of them for eternity. Yes, yes. You have permission to yes. um, divest yourself well, of these things. Well, let these things go and live a long and fruitful life with somebody who will actually use them. Somebody could use this nice set of drinking glasses. You're not using yeah. them, so give them away so somebody else can. So thank you for that question. Very interesting situation. Yes. Coming up, I've got a gold star for Jack's teacher, but first this break. (music) 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for demerits and gold stars. You're up this week with a happiness demerit. Yes, Elizabeth, this is sort of like cobbler's children going unshot or physician heal thyself. Like I've been saying to you, like, oh, I'm going to come to Los Angeles and we're going to clean your office and it's going to be amazing. But then I looked around my own office. I thought, you know what? I need to do some work right here, you know? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, I went through my shelves and I was like, stuff has just started to pile up. Like things just gather and stay there and clog up the system unless you're pretty ruthless. And so I realized that I was getting very fired up to help you clear clutter and I needed to clear my own clutter first. So spent a lot of time in my office and now it's it's feeling much lighter and less burdened with junk. Well, it makes me feel better that like you also have clutter gather. It's yeah. not just me. You, it happens to the master. It happens all the time. It's not something that you yeah. can just do and be done. It's something, it's got to be a habit yeah. because... Maintenance. It's maintenance. Exactly. So what's your gold star? Take us up. All right. Well, I am giving a gold star to Jack's teacher, Mrs. Harrington, because she did something that I thought was so great. So we had gotten a notice from the school saying, hey, it's time for midterm progress reports, but you'll only get a progress report if something is wrong. If you hear nothing, just assume all is well. But then Mrs. Harrington went out of her way to write Jack a really great progress report. Oh, that's so nice. So we got a progress report in the mail. I thought, oh no, something's wrong. We got a progress report. But in fact, she had gone out of her way to talk about all the progress he's made, fittingly. Uh I was able to read it to him. It made him feel great because he's had to work really hard in third grade. It's not like a walk in the park. And it was just, I thought, what a great teacher to say, like, even though I could save myself time, I'm going to go out of my way for a student. Um, I just really appreciated it, which I did email her and tell her. So she knows. When people are really trying harder, it's so reassuring and satisfying when somebody's like, hey, I see that you're working hard and it's really paying off like to get that recognition. What a great teacher. Yeah, she's wonderful. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Try spending time with each member of your family individually. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. 
Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and our engineer, Bob Cabador. Thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you feel like writing a review for anything, hint, hint, write a review too. <laughs> um, the resources for this week, um, you can subscribe to my Moment of Happiness newsletter, and I will send you a daily quotation in your inbox, something about happiness. And you can sign up for that at GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter. That's a little complicated, but I'll put it in the show notes. Hashtag newsletter. And also, if you want information, if you want to buy tickets, if you want to know what's going on in like real live world, IRL, <laughs> um, you can get all the information about the Outer Order Intercom book tour and the Happier Podcast live events at GretchenRubin.com slash events. And finally, thank you to those people who ordered five or more copies of Outer Order Intercom. I do so appreciate it. Pre-orders really give a big jump to a book. First to Nicole Havelberg, who got books for herself and her book club, and Jennifer Smith, um, who works for a small custom closet company in northern Vermont called Inspired Closets, and they are going to give them to some of their customers. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. You know, Elizabeth, I'm so sorry about the watch, but the trip was great because that moment of watching the fix together during the Oscars. The ad, I yeah. know, it was so good. But and it was so fun to be with you. Like, I know. not just watching it on my own, but like to see you jump with joy. But then I was distracted yeah. for the next two hours. <laughs> you were. You, you were. kept talking to me and I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm reading my text. <laughs> You're entitled. Well, let's hope people watch. From the Onward Project.